reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 13. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. And then I asked her how her day was, and it's interesting because she was talking about, and she goes, did you watch the news? Have you seen it on the news with this scandal, this college scandal thing? And I was wondering, why is she so frustrated about this? Because she's going, I'm boycotting Hallmark. I'm boycotting Hallmark. And then when she found out the, the, um, the actress got fired from Hallmark, we're not boycotting Hallmark anymore. And so I'm, I'm, I was wondering back a few weeks ago, and I want to show this video, uh, this little clip. This is my wife's class. Now understand that she's been teaching in South Central for 21 years. Okay, you can turn the volume down and continue to play it. And they sing the civil rights songs, and she had the kids write out their signs that they would hold up. And she wrote, they held up signs that says, give us American rights. She wrote, they held up signs that said, Black Lives Matter. She, they held up signs, how can a man love God and hate his brother? And they held up signs that said, separate but not equal. These are fourth graders. And so she told me that day, she said, Kevin, I, I go, did you yell at the kids? And she goes, I don't yell, I just, I'm firm. And so I said, well, you don't yell at me, you're just firm with me? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> and so these children at that day, because they're fourth graders, they were messing up, they were kind of screwing up, and they weren't practicing for the test. And then she just took, went in that teacher mode, and she said this. She said, are your parents millionaires? Are your parents millionaires? Are your parents millionaires? Are your parents millionaires? And she pointed to each child, and they go, no, no, no. She goes, it's sad, but there's people out there that have privilege. And there's people out there that have advantages over you. And because you don't have privilege and you have disadvantage, I got to teach you to be a better student than the privilege. I got to teach you to have better grades than the privilege. I gotta teach you to do better at the scores than the privilege. And so when I was listening to her, I was thinking, my goodness, this is something deep within my wife when it comes to her kids and loving her kids. It's fascinating to me that you can take the video off because I keep hearing it in my voice, in my ear, and my medication, I'm cutting it, so I'm hearing other voices. <laughs> but 
But I look at Jesus here, and Jesus' passage that you're going, why is it such injustice? And Jesus in those days was dealing with privileged people that had wealth and had power as well. His name was King Herod. And King Herod did not like Jesus because he did not like Jesus because Jesus had a message that was, that was against the privilege, that was against the power, that was against the wealthy. In verse 31 it says, At the very hour, some Pharisees said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Now, it's just like me living in North Korea, and someone came up to me and said, Kim Jong-wong wants to kill you. I go, dude, I'm out of here. I am out of here. I don't even know why I'm here in the first place. Because Herod, I'll show you how crazy Herod is and how deep it was with Jesus. Herod had Jesus' cousin arrested and beheaded. So this was close to Jesus. It was John the Baptist. And so Jesus, this is his response. Follow me on the screen. This guy's a death wish or he has a mission wish. He goes, go tell that fox for me. Listen, I'm casting out demons, performing cures today, and tomorrow and on the third day I will finish my work. Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine the Pharisee trying to give the, that message to King Herod? I ain't telling him. You tell him. Get someone's guy to tell him because I'm going to get killed even telling him this. Because Jesus had a love and compassion for the disenfranchised for the forgotten, that basically he had a fearless response. He did not allow fear to control him. He knew what God wanted him to do. He knew that these people had difficulties. But it's interesting how Jesus called him. Jesus called him a fox. He didn't say, go tell King Herod. He goes, go tell that fox. Now, in junior high in 1976, we used the term fox another way. <laughs> Farrah Fawcett in that poster, Foxy, <laughs> right? And, and so, but here's what he was calling him. In fact, it's on the screen. In stories, foxes have long been known for being sly con artists who cheat and trick their way into getting what they want. And basically, Jesus was hitting the nail on the head when he was calling Herod a fox because King Herod had, was wealthy, powerful, and privileged. He had wealth, rich privilege. He had wealth, powerful. He got what he wanted because he had the resources and the fear and the money to get it done. Now follow this on the screen. The way of a fox using wealth, power, and privilege to cheat its way into getting what it wants is, is the way of fear. Fear drives the fox, and those around a fox live in fear of being cheated. Now follow me here. Jesus did not give in to his fear. He did not give in to his threat of King Herod because he was focused on loving people and caring for himself. But it fascinates me when I read this other scripture if he's using these animal analogies. So he calls Herod a fox, and then follow me on this. It's in verse 34. See what he compares himself to. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and the stones, those who, who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her broad under her wings, and you were not willing. So he compares himself and the Almighty God 
to a hen, Herod a fox, him a hen. This analogy doesn't make sense to me because this is not privileged. Because you have to understand, if I was going to use an animal analogy, because I had to Google to figure this out, I would use a bobcat or a wolf. Because a bobcat and a wolf are a predator to a fox. They're more powerful. A hen is not. A hen hides and gloves and covers the chick. So he represents, and he's talking about God as a mother hen, not a wolf. Now follow me on the screen. The power of God is not the power of trickery and fear. It is more than the power of motherly love, which is willing to sacrifice herself to keep her beloved offspring uh, comforted under her wings. That kind of perfect love, get this, casts out all fear. That's why Jesus could call a fox a fox. And see, the thing is, to outfox a fox, you have to be a fox, right? Jesus ain't playing this game. He's focused on doing this, <laughs> you know, and he doesn't play games. That's why he doesn't play the games with fear. Back on the screen. Jesus started out to use his arms to intimidate or hurt people. His arms of love were always open to bring in people who were oppressed, hurt, and scared. And because Jesus acted this way, he showed his love through this analogy of a hand that he protects us, he cares for us. And think about it, a hand is very, is a hand very equipped to fight off a fox? No. But a hand is equipped to protect its chicks. Often in ministry, I find myself when people are scared about health issues, they want Jesus to be a fox. And let me use an analogy that I've never used before and I've never heard about. And this is, it's called spiritual privilege. You never heard of it because I just thought about it. <laughs> I've been a pastor for 36 years. I've been doing this for a long time. I grew up in the church. And somehow I have this privilege of thinking that God is going to protect me from any kind of suffering because I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Remember back in September that I was told that I need open heart surgery. And so I treated God as a fox. I tried to outfox the fox in my prayer life. This is where the absence of fear, uh, the absence of love and I fear. So I negotiated my prayers with God. When I was told in September that I have to have open heart surgery, I said, no, no, I can't do this. I'm going to do the recalibration in October, and I can't do this. And, and so then I was tested, and the doctor said, well, let's go back and test you in December. Then I had that mini stroke and ended up in the hospital, and I started negotiating with God again. And then I just said, June, I can have open heart surgery in June. June, I can do it because attendance is down a little, and then I can do it in three months, you know, because... I'm privileged. I'm spiritual privileged. I'm telling God when I need to open heart surgery. And so, so I went to the doctor on, on the 11th of May. And I sat there, took the MRI, took all the tests, the bubble tests, the echogram tests. I'm sitting there, and I'm going, God, we're, we're, we're tight here, right? <laughs> I've been serving you for 36. I don't want to die as a martyr. No, I don't want to die. Oh, he was a great person. He loved the Lord until he died. I don't want to die. And so the doctor comes up to me and says, hey, your test came something really good. Everything looks good. I'll see you in September. I went, 
Thank God the negotiating didn't work. And so what I have to understand here, God, and I put on the screen, God is not like a fox. God does not cheat. God does not... God plays by the rules of the universe he created. God does not cheat to give his favored children a leg up. Instead, God is like a mother hand whose love and comfort is constant in the midst of an often unpredictable and scary world. God loves us so much that she would stop at nothing, even to the point of giving her life, so that nothing can separate from her beloved children from that great love. And so the lesson I'm learning here, why can't I go under the hen's wing? When I, when I have things that are bothering me, why do I have to go, God, do this, negotiate God? This is where the prosperity theology comes from. It's almost like a fox writes a fox. That God's going to do this. And so we don't have to live in fear. And we think this, and I used to think this, that what is the opposite of fear is courage or bravery, right? But I don't think so, because you can demonstrate courage, but yet still be afraid. And so I put this on the screen. This is what I'm processing here, and I think that I, I'm going to say, yes, this is true. I think the opposite of fear is love. Because the Bible says love casts out, pure love casts out what? All fear. So what is the opposite of that? Fear casts out love. Right? So for me to understand, do I embrace the love of God? Do I, the more I am filled with love, the less I'm filled with fear. It seems that way. And then I look at the Apostle Paul, which is my, when I go to heaven, not for a while, but when I go to heaven, <laughs> I really want to meet the Apostle Paul. I really do, because he is the bomb. There, I just used the terminology from 1976. <laughs> okay? But follow me. This is, tell me if, if, if the Apostle Paul gets the hen analogy to the fox analogy. Watch how he does it. He said, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Not the, not the power of Christ, the love of Christ. Will hardship, will distress, will persecution, will famine, nakedness, pearl of sword? As it is written, for the sake we are being killed all day long, we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him who what? Loved us. It's not the absence of struggle. It's not the absence of hurt. It's in that struggle that we face, whether it's health or divorce or cancer or whatever that may be, or broken dreams, his love is with us all the time. Love casts out all fears. Paul clearly understood the analogy of the mother hand. He understood the analogy of the fox. Even when some people like Herod are threatening to kill and separate Jesus, kill Jesus, Jesus knew nothing can separate me from the love of the Father. Nothing. Back on the screen. Life is scary. But we don't have to be afraid. We are in God's love. Now, last week I started this whole new series called Potential. And I, and I told you guys about the three lies that we embrace. And it's interesting how I say three lies and I hold up two fingers. <laughs> Let's do that again. Three lies that we embrace. First one, you are what you do. Lie. You are what you have. Lie. You are what people think you say you are. Oh, there's another lie that your pastor has brought himself into. 
There's three lies. And when I buy myself into these lies, guess what it produces? Fear. We have a world that lives on fear, that makes a lot of money based on fear. And so we even start to think how we can game the system to get what we want in terms of wealth and status. Now, going back to the college exam scandal, uh, Brooks forwarded me this... Um, you know, when Brooke forwards me stuff and says, oh, this will piss you off, this will piss you off, this will piss you off, I go, I don't want to get pissed off. And then he sent me an article about how these parents are claiming that their children have learning disabilities, like your pastor, and so therefore they need special longer to take tests, and when you're taking tests in special needs, you get to take the test by yourself so you can cheat. I guess. So he got me going, but he, he got me on this other article by U.S. Berkeley. It says this, and this was uh, written by Jerome Carabell. He says, that, and he's talking about the scandal. As America has become more and more unequal, affluent parents have become increasingly desperate to pass on their advantages to their children to avoid downward, downward mobility at all costs. Elite colleges have become seen as insurance agents down, against downward mobility. Oh, it makes sense. What happened is you're losing power. You're losing a lot of things, and you do anything, half a million dollars, 14,000, to prevent this downward mobility. You've got, to keep your, you've got to keep your advantage. You've got to keep your privilege at all costs. It's fear. This stupid wall that we're building down in Mexico, that's all ba based on what? Fear. Based on fear. Because we're going to lose what's going to happen. And so therefore we don't want... Why in the world is white nationalists growing tremendously? Why is white supremacy getting so big now? Because it's a fear of losing power. And it's all based on fear. And so this is where it fascinates me. People will, people will scheme to gain their advantage. And I think there's a movement of the Holy Spirit in our society why this is going up. Because I think Jesus is trying to make and will make it all equal. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all do. We all believe red. And I, I know the movement of Christ. And this is why the evangelical church is grabbing on to this power. And the evangelical church, if they know that they need to embrace the teachings of Christ and the teachings of Christ and give up the power. Jesus, his power was not the kingdom of this earth. He did not claim that. And the one truth that we need to embrace is we are God's beloved children who God is pleased with. That will get rid of fear. That needs to be an anchor in all of our lives. On the screen, when we live in love and not fear, we become like Jesus. We can ignore the Herods who try to scare us. Instead, we are free to get busy opening our arms in love and comfort those in need. For our potential to be released, 
for your pastor's potential to be released. He's got to stop living in fear. You know what the Holy Spirit told me about me when I finished the sermon yesterday, last week? Stop labeling yourself with disabilities. Stop it. Stop labeling yourself with a tremor. That gives people power. You are my child, so stop it. And I, I, I need to repent. Because somehow I've labeled myself all my life, this is how I'm doing, because people give me this label. But if I choose to embrace that label all my life, then I will never fulfill my potential. Because when I embrace that, it's fear. It's fear that I won't be loved. I won't, that's two or three lies that we, we get into. 